At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, this is Holden Kushner. Be sure to check out my new podcast, the Denver CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. We dive into the betting angle on all Denver teams, all angles. If you're from Denver or a fan of Denver or Colorado or just a fan of Denver sports teams or a fan of betting in general and you want to become a sharper better, well, this is the podcast for you. So subscribe. Follow and listen to the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Denver City Cast with Holden Kushner, presented by Bet Rivers. Hey, it's Holden from Veasan. Thank you for joining me here on the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Great show today. Here on a Wednesday as we tape this, if you're listening to it on Thursday or Friday or next year, hey, thanks for joining me anyways. So we've got Nate Crackman coming on from Altitude 92.5. We're going to talk about Jokic. We're going to talk about Jokic. We're going to talk about the Broncos. I mean, this Jokic thing is just fascinating to me, and I'm going to discuss it here in just a second. My buddy Ian St. Clair from Play Colorado hops on. We'll talk Jokic. <laughs> we'll talk some Broncos there, and I'm sure we'll go down a couple rabbit holes as well. But let's get right into this. Nikola Jokic suspended one game without pay. That's going to cost him about $210,000. If you haven't seen the video or know what's going on, I would say, uh, wake up, <laughs> go watch it. Because, you know, Markeith Morris took a cheap shot on Nikola and Nikola uh, kind of slammed him in the back and knocked him down. Markeith looked like he was seriously injured. He wasn't. He wasn't. Markeith got a $50,000 fine. He got a one-game suspension. So they didn't suspend him without pay. They just took some of his pay. Uh, $50,000 still a lot of money. But again, he's on a fast break. He decided to you know, throw a little shoulder into Jokic, push him. And let's face it, and this has been discussed here for a while now. Jokic doesn't get any calls. He doesn't. For a big man, for an MVP, there's guys that get touched and they go to the line. And then there's guys that get hammered on a nicely, nightly basis and don't get to the line. And that's Nikola Jokic. The fun thing was listening to Shaq post game where he actually blamed Morris for this whole incident. And I'm not going to go that far and say, well, he shouldn't have turned his back. That's, that's what Shaq was saying. He shouldn't have turned his back. That's on Morris. Okay. That's, that, that's not on Morris. Not in my estimation. I mean, Jokic was out of line. <clears throat> And he even admitted so. He said, it's a stupid play. I feel bad. And I'm not supposed to react that way. He also, he also said he thought Morris's foul on him was a dirty play and he needed to protect himself. That was just flat out frustration. And the other thing that's interesting too is the, t the Nuggets were just blowing the heat out. They were blowing the heat out. And this ends up happening. He's pissed off. And I don't blame him. You know, I go back to Shaq here. Shaq, there was hack a Shaq. Guys just used to beat the hell out of Shaq. Sometimes he go to the line, sometimes he wouldn't. And I think Jokic deserves more respect from the referees. I don't know if this is what's going to do that, but I do think that th this partly, part of this has to do with the lack of foul calls on Nikola Jokic. Also, Jimmy Butler, 
uh, $30,000 fine for attempting to escalate this situation and then not cooperating with the security questions after the game. Okay. Okay. So Jimmy Butler, first of all, Jimmy Butler needs to watch out. Jimmy Butler is one of my favorite NBA players. I love the heart. I love the grit. Guy that really wasn't given much of a chance to be a star. All of a sudden, he just put himself on the map, and he's now a star. He's a legit star in the NBA. But there was a lot of yapping from a guy who was protected by security and protected by coaches and knowing that Jokic wasn't going to come over and rip his arms off, which I really do believe Jokic could do. I believe, right, he, he wrestles bears and tigers and lions i feel like for fun i think that he could probably rip jimmy butler's arms off maybe a slight exaggeration but not too much of an exaggeration so after the game all this is going on jimmy takes you know maybe like five guys it's, it's i've always wanted to be part of a posse he had a posse he had like five other guys with him they went up to the locker room there's one big security guard standing there I mean, if the Heat really wanted to get into the Nuggets locker room after that game, it would have been very easy. Six versus one? Come on. If they really wanted to get in there. But they were puffing their chest out. You know, we're tough guys too. We're going to come get you. But then we had the, the Twitter game, which was kind of fun. Mark Heath's twin brother, Marcus, waited till bro turned his back, shaking my head, noted. That's what he put on Twitter. Okay, let me also add this. I'm a, a Morris Twins fan because I went to the University of Kansas and they went to the University of Kansas. But bottom line is this. I'm backing Jokic on this one because Markeith was, it, it, he was frustrated and it was, a, it was a cheap shot on Jokic. And I think all these suspensions here are warranted. The Jokic one game suspension without pay and 210K out of his pocket, warranted. Cheap shot from the back. Markeith, 50K in one game, not a full game check. Absolutely warranted. Instigator, cheap shot. Jimmy Butler, you know, again, he looked like an attack puppy for a little bit. 30K for attempting to escalate. I'm fine with that too. So Markeith, so this was Marcus saying, listen, they, they waited till bro turned his back. And then Markeith comes back and goes, I love to see the hate. No doubt I took a hard foul which I always do, but I never hit a man with his back turned. Luckily, we built different over here. I could take my licks and keep pushing. Joker won, smooth nothing, LOL. So Markeith was playing it down. I actually kind of respect that. I respect that. Markeith saying, all right, you took a shot at me. It was a cheap shot, but let's move on. Ooh, and the, the Jokic brothers chime in. Jokic Brothers versus Island Boys, by the way, is a great matchup I would like to see. Uh, I don't think it would last more than three seconds. Uh, the Island Boys, if you don't know who they are, you can do an internet search for them. But uh, the Island Boys versus the Jokic Brothers, and that would be just a bloody quick finish to a quick fight. Anyways, here's what the Jokic Brothers said. They started their own Twitter account. They started their own Twitter account that night, I believe, because you should leave this the way it is instead of publicly threatening our brother. Your brother made a dirty play first. If you want to take it a step further, be sure we will be waiting for you, Jokic brothers. And now there's a report that the Jokic brothers are going to be in Miami for the game November 29th against 
the Nuggets. This is fun stuff. This is legitimate soap opera stuff that we are seeing with Nikola Jokic, his brothers, and the Marcus twins. The Marcus Morris, Markeith Morris twins with a little Jimmy Butler sprinkled in on the side. Okay. Okay. And then how do we know that the Jokic brothers' Twitter account is real? Well, they actually tweeted Mike Singer, the Nuggets beat writer for the Post. He said, listen, guys, this is our real account. So this thing just completely takes off. And Nate's going to come on in just a little bit on this show. And I remember doing some shows with him on Altitude. He's like, the guy wrestles bears. You know, I, I really think all three of those brothers who lived through a war, by the way, lived through a legit war, come over here, bunch of tough dudes. One of the brothers is 6'6", and he played at Detroit Mercy, University of Detroit Mercy. And he's fought some entry-level MMA fights, okay? And he has a neck tat. And if there's one thing that I've, a couple things I've learned over the years, never mess with a man with cauliflower ears. That means he's a wrestler and he's been in a lot of fights and he'll kill you. And the second thing is, if a man is large and has a neck tat on the back of his neck, don't mess with the dude. He can rip your head off. And I think that's what we're seeing here with one of the Jokic brothers. Now, the other Jokic brother, who, <laughs> I can't remember who said this. He looks like the villain from a 007 movie. Uh, this dude is gigantic. And he just has the look of someone that, again, can rip arms, heads, limbs off. These two guys scared the hell out of me. And Jokic is gigantic. Jokic is what, four inches taller than Jimmy Butler and probably 50 pounds heavier? And these dudes, you don't want to mess with them. I've seen videos. You know, there's a Suns game. There was a, there was a brawl. They're sitting there, you know, thinking about going onto the court. Everybody's freaking out around them. Even this last game, uh, when Morris is on the floor, they're just screaming at the top of their lungs, saying, you know, you better watch out. You better watch out. Boy. Whew. The three Jokic brothers... I'm going to put them up against any three guys you give me in the National Basketball Association. I'm serious. And there's some, there's some big, big dudes in the NBA, but these Jokic brothers are not to be messed with. A couple other things here. I was going to say Jokic versus Jimmy, who wins in a fight. Let me just erase that from my notes. I don't think Jokic is a villain. I think he's going to be portrayed as a villain nationally. He is not a villain. Terrific guy, terrific player. He's a guy that had a really bad moment publicly. That's what happened there. Nikola Jokic is not a villain. Second thing, I don't know how good this really is for the Nuggets. Actually, it's I do know how it is. It's not good for the Nuggets on a couple of different levels. First of all, when Jokic is not in these games... I don't think they've got a shot to win. I am not feeling good about this Pacers game coming up tonight. Not at all. Now you've got to deal with the Jokic brothers. So you've got an issue and now an outside source coming in and making headlines. And I've, I've completely bought into this. Absolutely. This is a great story. I can't imagine Michael Malone is really thrilled that the Jokic brothers are now a storyline because he's going to be asked about it going forward. We will have extra security in Miami. There's going to be extra questions for Jokic. There's just going to be so much. And hopefully the almost four weeks of time that we have before this happened, maybe more like three weeks between the time that this happened 
and the time they meet again, hopefully everything just settles down. I really hope so. We don't need an escalation of this. We don't need a fight on the floor because I'll tell you this much. Jokic is a million times more important to the Nuggets than Morris is to the Heat. So let's look at tonight's game against the Indiana Pacers. No Michael Porter Jr. He's out, foreseeable future. The back is bothering him. This was the issue coming out of college. He had back issues. He had surgery. This is concerning from that standpoint. Who's going to step up against the Pacers? Nuggets are 6-4, and 4-1 four, four and one at home. Pacers, dreadful start, 4-7, and 1-5 away. They are coming off a couple of, off of uh, rest nights, though. That's something to keep in mind with this game. So who's going to have to step up? Will Barton, who has not been nearly as effective in his career with Jokic off the floor as he had on the floor. Keep that in mind. Barton not nearly as effective on many different levels. Then there's Aaron Gordon. He's averaging 12 points a game. He had a bad preseason, but he's looked pretty good. He's looked pretty good. And we're going to see a bigger role for him. And tonight, he could be the number two option. And I'm a little bit concerned about that, too. So let me just bring this back here to this game. Pacers minus 155, Nuggets plus 130, no Jokic, no Porter. The money line, I, I've talked to multiple people that follow the NBA closer than any other sport. And the three guys that I talked to, none of them said that the Nuggets are winning this game because of what Jokic does. There's just no way they're going to be able to run their offense tonight, even against a bad team in the Pacers. Denver plus three and a half minus 109. First thing I looked at, I said, how does Denver lose at home even without Jokic? And then you think about it. Again, the whole offense runs through Nikola Jokic. Total here is 210 and a half. If you want to go to the under, that's fine. But check out the starting lineup here. This is what we're going to see. We're going to see Monte Morris at the point. We're going to see Barton at the two. P.J. Dozier, Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green. Oof, that's that, that's a little rush, a little rough. And let's not forget that the Nuggets already have a thin bench. Okay, and I found that here's an interesting, another note that I found. Jokic has been on the court for 318 minutes, okay? And Denver has outscored the teams they're playing by 98 points. He's been on the floor for 318 minutes, 98 points, plus 98 points. He's been on the bench for 162 minutes. I mean, he's just logging ridiculous amount of minutes, and we've known this really going back, you know, multiple seasons now. When he's off the court in those 162 minutes, they are minus 64 points. And their net rating is almost 34 points of a drop when he's off the floor. They are a bad basketball team without Jokic. The Pacers stink. You know, their schedule has been pretty tough. They played 11 games in 19 days. They've got two off days, and they've got this game. And I believe Malcolm Brogdon's going to return tonight. So the fact that the whole offense flows through Jokic is a bit of concern. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's my recommended uh, recommendation if you're betting this game tonight. Bet Rivers has a 20% live profit boost on Wednesdays during these NBA games. And I'm going to bet that way tonight. I will watch this game and bet it live. Plus, I'm getting a 20% profit boost. 
why bother getting in pregame when we might be able to get a better number? I mean, if Indiana gets off to a, a nice 10-point lead in the first quarter, this line's going to jump into double digits, and that's where we want to attack it. So I have no interest in attacking this game pregame. I have a lot of interest attacking this game in-game. And I hope that I have given you enough nuggets on the Jokic, Morris, Jokic brothers, Jimmy Butler, Nuggets Pacers game coming up tonight. A lot of Broncos conversation. I did place my first bet on the Eagles-Broncos game. Let's talk Nuggets-Jokic, Eagles-Broncos, with my man Nate Kreckman next on the Denver CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. Being a homer has its perks at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Every day, Bet Rivers offers a special hometown discount on parlays involving local teams. To get your hometown discount, just open the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app and check the daily specials to place your bet on a unique parlay with hometown teams and players. Then root, root, root for the home team and win together. Bet today on the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app or go to betrivers.com. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 522 4700. The VEASAN Mid-Season Football Special is here. Put the VEASAN betting experts to work for you from now through February for only $99. Daily best bet emails, 24-7 video streaming, betting splits for every sport, point spread weekly, plus in-depth data and analysis on VEASAN.com. Sign up today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe and get everything we have to offer for the rest of the football season for only $99. That's vsin.com slash subscribe. Welcome back to the Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. As always, on Wednesdays, Nate Crackman, Altitude 92.5, joins me. Wonderful to see you again, Nate. Uh, you know what's nice about 92.5 is you guys talk a lot of nuggets, and it seems as though there's a lot of nuggets to be talked about these days. My favorite line from working with you was uh, Nikola Jokic probably wrestles bears. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if he wrestles bears, what do his brothers wrestle? <laughs> uh, wildebeests. Uh, some, <laughs> some mythical, uh, you know, creature cryptozoological marvel that i don't even know about yeah. uh is is probably I, I don't know what's the yeti of eastern europe i think that that's what those guys wrestle in their spare time nemanja and strahinja um who are now on twitter and are apparently they'll be in miami when the nuggets play the heat on november 29th although that was a kind of a story yesterday and i was like i assume they probably go on the miami trip every year because I think everybody takes the Miami trip. Uh, but nonetheless, they're going to show up and they'll wave to Markeith Morris and Jimmy Butler and everybody else. As an old man with children, I think Miami is completely overrated. And I actually never even liked it when I was younger. So overrated, not a big party guy. But I would suppose if I'm the Jokic boys, yeah, I'm going out and raging on South Beach. I was going to say, if your brother has a max contract in the NBA uh, Miami is probably a little bit cooler than it is for guys like us. 
Uh, it's a line that I, I use often. I don't mess with people with cauliflowered ears because that means they're wrestlers. <laughs> and I don't mess with dudes with neck tats yeah. because they're – and, and, and one of the brothers. Which of the brothers has the neck tat because he's very intimidating? I don't – I never remember which one yeah. is which. I mean, I think the story was that it was um, – one of them – held him down and threw knives um, around his head and told him not to cry because he wouldn't climb a tree when he was little. Um, there was that story about them. Because his brothers are, they're like, I think the, the closest one in age is like 10 years older than him. Um, I think that's Nemanja. Nemanja's the one that played college basketball here in the U.S. He played at Detroit Mercy. And actually, um, he was good buddies with uh, Darko Milicic. Uh, the famed number two overall pick in the 2003 draft. And actually, um, Darko has kind of served as a bit of a de facto consultant a little bit for Nicola over the years of uh, kind of how to not screw up your NBA career the way that Darko did. And so uh, Nicola is obviously going on a different path. I mean, just for us to go on a different path, wasn't Darko drafted ahead of Carmelo Anthony? He was the number two overall pick. That was the 03 draft. So it was LeBron one, Darko two, Carmelo three. I want to yes. say Bosch four to Toronto and Dwayne Wade five to yeah. Miami. So four out of five Hall of Famers in that top five. Uh, one of them went to Detroit, which actually this is always kind of one of my favorite pet nuggets takes is that Joe Dumars is one of the great executives in Denver Nuggets history, even though he never worked for the franchise, as he was the guy that took Darko at number two so the Nuggets could save themselves from themselves and take Carmelo at number three uh, because Kiki Vandaway would have drafted Darko if he was available. And then Joe Dumars also was the guy that traded a, um, you know, still one year left in his prime Chauncey Billups for a completely out of his prime Allen Iverson uh, prior to the, or I think two games into the 08-09 season. And then the Nuggets went to the Western Conference Finals in 2009. And if Anthony Carter knew how to inbound the ball, the Nuggets could have pulled an upset and beaten Kobe and the Lakers. And then they would have gotten the Dwight Howard-led, Jameer Nelson-led magic in the finals. And then the Denver Nuggets would have an NBA championship and the world would be a different place. So... How'd you guys handle this yesterday on the air? Obviously, you've got Jimmy Butler getting yep. fined 30K. You've yep. got Jokic out $210,000 with a game check and a suspension. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, Morris getting a game and a $50,000 fine. But why don't you give me some – what are your thoughts on this? On the suspensions, on the penalties handed down, and where do we go from here? I was surprised Jokic only got a game. The suspension news didn't come down until we were off the air yesterday. I was surprised that Jokic only got one game for it. Um, and obviously that's good for the Nuggets. They'll be missing him uh, here on Wednesday night against the Pacers. But that's great news for Denver to only lose him for one game. Um, it, it's Look, he got, he got hacked by a dirty player in Markeith Morris in a night that had been extremely physical. Jokic and Bam Adebayo had been having a pretty epic battle down in the post. Obviously Jokic was getting the better of him because Jokic is – the better player, and Adebayo, I think, is a great player. Um, but it was just a, it was a physical night all night. Um, you know, Nikola takes the the cheap shot um, from Markeith Morris, and then he delivered one back. I would say, you know, Morris's foul might have been at like a seven or an eight. And uh, to quote Spinal Tap, Jokic then turned it up to eleven, 
uh, on the on the retaliation. But hey, man, again, you piss off the big Serbian bear, and and that's what's going to happen. So uh, Jokic will go out a game. I you know it sucks to lose him for a game. I do think that you know the reputation of Nikola Jokic is one of the scariest dudes in the NBA that is absolutely not to be messed with, and this has nothing to do with his brothers. I'm just talking about Nikola himself. I mean, if you remember last year, you know, game four of that playoff series against Phoenix and after the the foul on Cameron Payne in game four that Jokic got ejected for, Devin Booker got in Jokic's face and then Booker very quickly realized, oh, I'm well out of my weight class here. And Jokic was pissed. That was the end of a long and uh, really frustrating series for the Nuggets and and, and Devin Booker, I think, quickly realized this is not a good situation for me to be in. It's sort of like, you know, Tyler Hero thinking about stepping to Jokic and then very quickly veering off to the side and recognizing that wasn't a good idea. Um, so, yeah, Jokic, I think there was a message sent to the rest of the NBA last night of just like, look, I'm one of the very best players in the league, and if you try and mess with me, this is what's going to happen. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world for that message to have been sent. These guys are in trouble tonight, though, against yep. the Pacers. I already went through the odds and everything. And I th first of all, I think they're getting Brogdon back tonight, aren't they? And the other thing, you know, everything runs through Jokic, right? It's it's the one thing you see this in the NBA where one player can just make the difference, kind of like the NFL where you got a quarterback, but. Jokic, everything goes around this guy's, and, and most of the players on this team, negative correlation with him off the floor, especially mm -hmm. Barton is what I'm looking at. What kind of trouble are these guys in without Jokic on the floor tonight? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough game uh, tonight for Denver. Now, here's what you go looking for, okay? This is the, this is the classic, are, are you going to band the guys together? A little bit kind of matchup here this evening, and the Nuggets have had – um, some really good shorthanded wins in recent seasons. Now, Jokic has been on the floor for all of those because Jokic doesn't ever miss time, basically. But, you know, now tonight it is, and, and they're not going to have Porter again, although the way he's playing, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing at all. Um, but they'll, they'll go up against the Pacers team tonight. You're looking at Will Barton to provide a ton of offense. You're looking at Aaron Gordon. Maybe maybe Bones Highland has um, his his real breakout scoring game here tonight. Maybe you catch a team sleepwalking a little bit coming in here. Uh, this isn't a great Pacers team. You know, Denver Denver getting three tonight. I'm seeing plus 130 in places on the money line last night. And in some ways, given Malone's ability to be able to get his guys to go when shorthanded, um, I, I think the Nuggets are a sneaky, interesting play tonight. It's I say it with zero confidence at all, but I also say this. I wouldn't be shocked if they go out and win this game tonight. It's just kind of how these Nuggets are. Yeah, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I am First of all, I get the 20% live betting profit boost on Bet Rivers tonight. I'll bet this game live, hoping that, you know, that Indiana gets off to a nice little lead. Yep. Maybe we can pull the Nuggets at 10. Hey, up to 10, 8 to 10. Why bother with that small number there? Let's go get some more numbers. And I think that's the one thing about NBA betting that, you know, people haven't really gotten into live betting very much. And if you're sitting there watching the games every night anyways, you might as well. Yeah. And Okay, worst comes to worst. The Nuggets come out and they blow out the, the Pacers early and then you don't get in on the game. Big deal. But I can see a, a scenario where we're getting 8 to 10 points tonight in game. So You know, I, I heard Stan Van Gundy make a point last night 
um, that I think was just was it was a really savvy point. And for as much basketball as I consume, I'm kind of shocked I hadn't thought of it this way. Um, but the Clippers were up ten in the first half against Portland last night, and uh, or in the first quarter against Portland last night. And then you know second quarter the game very quickly evened up. Uh, you know Portland outscored the Clippers by six in the second quarter of that game. But Stan Van Gundy made the point of you know as three point dependent as the the NBA is today, a 10-point lead isn't really a a 10-point lead. It's in, in many ways, it's only a, you know, three or four possession lead versus a five possession lead. And all it takes is a couple of possessions of knocking down your shots. Both teams are going to take 30 plus threes in the course of a given evening. Um, you know, 10-point ten, ten leads are a bit of a mirage. And that's what you talk about when it comes to the live betting right there. That that's what you can catch. All it takes is two trips down the floor. You hit a couple of buckets and boom, it, it's four point game. You're right back in that thing. So that that's where I think the live betting uh, com- comes in big time is how three point dependent the NBA is right now. Yeah, I'm just not betting game. There's going to be very few games I bet pregame. Mm-hmm. It's just too easy to get a better line in the game. Yeah, and listen, it still might come back and bite you. But like you said, the ten point lead. What's a ten point lead anymore? Yeah, a ten point lead can be evaporated in a minute and a half, just shooting the threes. Uh, Nate Crackman out to two ninety two five. Let's talk some Broncos. Be honest with me here. You buying into this team after that win? No, uh, that that felt like the the game where every last thing went right, where the Broncos were just absolutely the best version of themselves. Um, that that that's what I feel like, and I also think it was just it was it was a Dallas team that came out flat as hell. Um, they missed on a couple of fourth downs early in that game, and and Dak never got his he never got his legs under him. And again, give give Denver's defense some credit for the way that they played. But you know the overall sample size of two and a half years now of Vic Fangio that was a signature win. It took him two and a half years to be able to get it to actually go and beat a good team on the road like that. Um, I d- trusting Pat Shermer to have another quality game. Um, play calling is difficult. Uh, trusting this defense to be able to hold up um, the way that they did the secondary to play as well as they did given the injuries that they have. Now Pastor Tan is going to be on the shelf probably for the next couple of games. You know, trusting Kyle Fuller to play as well as he did. Again, all of these things are factors in why I think the Broncos still are what they are, a very middle-of-the-pack NFL team that just so happened to play their best game of this season against a high-profile opponent. Well, here's what I like about it, though. That at least there's a little bit of hope. I know. Yeah. I know the logic tells you that that was the anomaly. They were going to win a game. This happens every year. Yep. A team wins a game or two that they're not supposed to. But at least now at least the fans think that there is a chance that they can do something as opposed to completely checking out. I've been around teams that it checked out after eight weeks. It's no fun. Yeah. You know, it's no fun, especially with a 17-game season now. We got an extra game. And they actually have a decent shot to get to six and four. Even if you don't think they get to the playoffs, you know, this game against the Eagles is completely winnable. They're not a good team. I, I Personally, I think they're a horribly coached team And Nick Sirianni. It took them eight weeks to realize that Jalen Hurts was highly inaccurate and you couldn't throw the ball 35 times a game. So now they're running the ball 30 times a game over the last 33 times a game over the last two weeks. Yeah. I actually kind of see this, this outside of the quarterbacks as a very, very even game. I, 
I guess I give Jalen Hurts the edge in in moving the ball with his legs. And then you got Teddy, who's more efficient, and the Eagles have given up a lot, uh, just efficient performances to quarterbacks. What do you think of this matchup just on paper? Yeah, so Justin Herbert last week, um, five quarterbacks have completed at least 80% uh-huh. of their pass attempts against the Eagles this season. And and Teddy Bridgewater, I think right now fourth in the NFL in completion rate, like this absolutely plays into Teddy's strengths right there. Um, the question is, is if you if you have an Eagles team that really shows up with a full commitment to the run and Jordan Howard and Boston Scott, the way that they did to, to be able to hang in that game against the Chargers – last week that that's where I think the Broncos could run into some problems yeah they made some changes at the inside linebacker position and Baron Browning and, and Kenny Young are the starters I don't know if they're as stout as the the season opening starters and Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson I think that that part of the matchup um, could be a little bit tough here for the Broncos coming up this week this is a dangerous game for Denver right before the bye um, an Eagles team coming in off of the loss you know, could Philadelphia come to Denver and basically do what Denver did to Dallas a week ago? It, it would not shock me. And unfortunately, you just, in the Vic Fangio era, you have not seen the Broncos really stack quality performances on top of each other. You know, unless it's the opening three games of the season when they're playing the Giants, the Jets, and the Jaguars. Okay, cool, sure, they were able to do it then. Um, but right now... It, it's really hard to trust the Broncos. I have very little confidence in Denver in this game. And, and that's and we're talking about the Eagles, and I have very little confidence in Denver. Mm, very interesting. They got smoked by the Raiders, 33-22. Uh, they're also, they've also beaten some bad teams, though. Yep. I mean, they beat the Panthers. They got smoked by the Cowboys. They couldn't score against the Niners. Here's the interesting thing, though, and we know the trend here. Betting the under on the Broncos games. Two and on seven. On one side. Two and seven. If everything uh, gone under seven times this year. What's that? Uh, Broncos have gone under the total seven times this right. year in their nine games. Seven of nine. And given everything in a perfect game script, Vic Fangio would run the ball, what, 30, 32, 33 times? <laughs> Here's what's funny. I don't think so. Really? Uh, I don't think that's what Pat Shermer wants to do. I really don't. I think Pat Shermer wants to he wants to spread it out. He wants to take advantage of having Judy and Sutton and Tim Patrick out there. Um, I, I don't think they want to run the ball really all that often. I think they have done it when the game situation has dictated it against their lesser opponents. When they've gotten leads, they've actually gone to the run game. But this is a team, look, all of their losses, they've been down double digits at the half. Okay? But being down 10, 13 points, you don't have to set your game plan on fire in the NFL for that. And yet the Broncos just willingly do. I think Pat Shermer, uh, his team gets down a little bit, and he gladly just gets to have them chuck it all over the lot. That Again, that's a part of why I don't trust this team right now. I don't trust this coaching staff to actually put a coherent game plan on the field multiple weeks in a row, especially Shermer. I'll just say this. Nick Sirianni let Jalen Hurts uh, throw, 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 even against defenses where we knew that they could go out and just run the ball down their throats. Yeah. Um, Another thing that's interesting about they've really taken the ball out of Hurts' hands because they were running the ball 15 or they were passing the the, the first seven games, 34 and a half pass attempts per game. Now 15 and a half over the last two. 
So you know that the Eagles want to do that. That's the first thing. And the second thing, this is from Kosmider. He's like, during the past three weeks, opponents against the Broncos have connected on three of 17 deep attempts with one touchdown and two interceptions, which tells me, and this is an explosive play running offense, but they're going to have to do that. I do not see Jalen Hurts hurting them with his arm this week. And it really, to me, the main matchup in this game is going to be the Philly run game against the Broncos run defense. And we know with the injuries there, what do you think of this uh, Broncos run defense heading into this game? Was last week an anomaly? What do you make of it? No, the run defense has been okay uh, for the most part this season. Uh, you know, famously, the Ravens got over 100 yards rushing against them. Um, you know, it, it, it's the, the run defense has been okay. But the, like I talked about earlier, they've had to change it inside linebacker. And, um, you know, since, since the injuries that they've suffered there, we haven't really seen a team fully commit to the ground game. Um, you know, I, I guess Cleveland did, and, and we're able to do so pretty successfully. Dearness Johnson, uh, you know, had, had a really good game that day. If you make a full commitment to the run, I think that's what ultimately could hurt Denver a little bit. I think the interior of their defensive line is a little bit suspect. Um, like I said, they've had so much turnover at the linebacker position. Um, the secondary the last couple of weeks has finally played to what they are capable of. Um, but I could easily see Vic Fangio just stacking the box and telling Nick Sirianni, okay, uh, see, see if this guy can beat me with his arm because I don't think he can. That's the game plan. I mean, that is it. If Fangio, I don't want to say knows what he's doing. He's been in the league for so long. But if Fangio and Shermer, these two guys, were dead men walking this time last week, you know, if these two guys realize that, then I think this is going to be a close game. I also think it's going to go to the under 45. As of right now, you talked about, you know, there's seven and two, seven of the nine games have gone to the under here, but these are two teams that just want to run it. And it hasn't been aesthetically pleasing, has it? <laughs> it's definitely not been aesthetically pleasing for these Broncos games. And I think this is going to be a gross one too. I mean, it's just disgusting. Neither team, uh, anything better than average. And I'm really down on the Eagles. I I've just been super down on the Eagles from the head coach to the inaccuracy of the quarterback to the breakdown defensively. I think you could say the same thing about the Broncos, but Let's let's just get your thoughts then on game script, the total. You talked about the side already. Do you see any players having big games from this one? You know, I think Jerry Judy continues to show that he's going to be a big part of this offense. A lot of pre-snap motion stuff uh, to get him moving to really give defenses something to think about. I think Judy's the most talented player on this offense. He had a great catch on a ball that Teddy kind of threw behind him and over his head last week, and Judy went up and got it. A year ago, he flat out doesn't make that catch. Um, now coming off of the ankle injury that he had in week one, uh, he's he's put together two pretty good games so far. Um, I'm looking at Jerry Judy to continue to be able to produce in this passing game. Like I said, I just I think he's the best weapon that they got, and it's not even necessarily close. Um, you know, the Broncos' run game, again, another thing to think about here is – Okay, so the run game popped a little bit when they had multiple injuries along their offensive line. Garrett Bowles might be back this week against the Eagles, but it's going to be Cam Fleming at right tackle. Um, the right guard position might be Miners, might be Natani Muti, but Graham Glasgow um, has a broken leg. and He is now out for the year. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a couple of backups in there and a couple of young guys 
um, along their offensive line right now. So I think that that really is a factor going into this game. So I'm not super high on any of the Broncos backs. And again, it's just, it, it's, it's tough to get excited about Shermer actually committing to the run here in back-to-back weeks. So Judy is the guy uh, that I'm looking at right now, in particular when it comes to Denver. Uh, take a look at Jordan Howard uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles and take a look at his totals. And I, 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 I like the under. Um, I, got, I got no feel on the on the spread for this game. I would probably lean the Eagles as the as the dog in this, but two and a half, I, it's not doing much for me. Maybe if it gets up uh, three, three and a half, I'll think about doing something there. Yeah, I think Tim Patrick and Jordan Howard anytime touchdowns are at least going to be on the radar yep. as the week goes on. I'm glad you brought up Jordan Howard, too, because he's become a pretty big part of that offense very quickly after the Miles Sanders injury. Hey, Nate, plug yourself, man. Uh, um, yeah, it's uh, the Craigman and Lindahl Show, Altitude Sports Radio 92.5, every weekday afternoon. Uh, sometimes they kick us off if the Nuggets or the Avalanche are playing on the East Coast, but the Avalanche are... I don't know. They have like one game this week. It's bizarre. And then the Nuggets are in the midst of a five-game homestand. They play the Pacers tonight without Nicole Jokic at 7 o'clock. So we do not get kicked off the air early for that. We'll uh, visit again next week on the bye week. We'll try and see if uh, anything else pops up. The Jokic story is huge. The Broncos are off of life support for now. Yep. And, of course, uh, I'm sure something will happen with the Avalanche sooner than later. So they give us something to talk about. Nate Kreckman. Altitude 92.5. Going to talk about the sports betting boom, not just Colorado, but going around the nation next with Ian St. Clair from Play Colorado on the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Combine two bets or combine many. You pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. As promised, weekly guest Ian St. Clair, PlayColorado.com joins. We've got a lot to get into here. We'll talk about Jokic. We'll talk about the Broncos. But as always, you know, this is a site where you cover a lot of the news. And Ian, uh, sports betting has been a big boom since it's been here. I think we were, what, number five in handle in the latest report. And now New York is legal. So I think about this. I was there for the DFS boom, the daily fantasy sports boom. And that didn't last too long because FanDuel and DraftKings decided to run uh, horrible commercials every break, just for the whole break during those seasons. You remember this. You're shaking your head. Uh, How is this different? Because I kind of feel like this betting boom is not going away anytime soon, even when all the 50 states have it legalized. I think that's the key question, because when you look at the Colorado handle, one of the things that I always look for is the free bets. What is the amount that the books are giving out in terms of free bets to get those new users, to get those people who may be on the fence, but they, they're a little hesitant for one reason or another. And I, I think that's going to be what is so crucial for sports books now is as the states start to mature and they get out of this infancy where they, they're, they go, they're going from the crawling to the, to the walking stage, what is the retention like? And who do the betters go with 
of the sports books that are in Colorado. Because right now there are 26 sports books in Colorado, which is by far the most in the country. New Jersey is next. And that's just that that's a huge number. And it allows choice, obviously. And I think that's what an industry like sports betting and gambling or any industry wants is giving customers the ability to choose. But who survives all of that? I don't think it's it's not sustainable to have a market with 26 sports books because you're going to have the top of the rung and then you're going to have the ones that follow on fall in underneath that and then the ones underneath that. So the key is going to be retention. I mean, we're at over 100 million in free bets right now. And in terms of what's been given out by sports books, what does the retention look like? And I think that's going to be so crucial for markets like Colorado, but also the ones that are starting to get into the sports betting industry. It is, it is interesting. And we've got, we know the big players. We know the major players. Bet Rivers is in here now, obviously. Obviously. Uh, Denver CityCast is presented by Bet Rivers. They got a nice little promotion bonus. Plus, I like where you can like live bet. Like Tuesday, NBA live boosts. You know, Wednesday, this thing, that thing. And you're getting that, but... You're right. I mean, there's probably going to be some of these smaller books that just aren't around in five years, right? They're not going to gain the traction. It's not like you go and do sports betting and then, oh, we're definitely going to make money. Uh, I've said this for a long time. The books know that you're shopping around for the best odds. The books know that. Like, you know what? If you're on one book and you don't like the line, of course, you're going to go to other books. The thing I know about Bet Rivers, really good odds. That's the one thing they got. There's others that have... You know, uh, odds boosts, uh, they'll throw that out there from time to time, you know, for a free bet here and there. I, it's really, it really, to me, it just comes down to the odds. You know, whoever is giving me the best odds, that's where I'm betting with. And now we have so much competition that I think it's, it's easy to find the best odds out there. You know? Absolutely. So I actually want, I, I don't think we need 20, what did you say? 20 what books? 26. Oh my, we don't need 26, but if we get this thing down to 15, then you're going to know a, the books that are legitimate and B that gives you a big enough, a big enough, uh, option there where you can get the best odds on any given game. And I, I will give this to bet rivers. You mentioned that, um, they're, they've been here since the launch. They were one of the first four to get into Colorado when it launched in May, 2020, they're going big with the people that they get to help promote it with ambassadors. They have Mark Schlereth, who does NFL games on Fox. They also have Brandon Stokely, who I joked when he was on the field with Peyton Manning for Peyton Manning's Ring of Fame induction ceremony, he caught the best pass in the stadium between the Broncos and the Washington football team for that game, at least. So they have the right ambassadors. They have the people to get in front of it because 104.3 FM is uh, the most listened to talk radio station in terms of sports, mm-hmm. uh, depending on the show, uh, it's typically right at the top. So they have the right people to get in, to, to get fans to into the bet rivers name and, and know what it is to at least potentially get them into the app and maybe sign up and download it. So I, I agree with you. I think there's going to be a point where these smaller books at the bottom start to to dwindle off because they're just not going to be able to compete with the big boys. And I think 
we all know who those are at this point. Yeah, and then they decided to hire me and uh, take take things down on a rung. I, you know, I had Stokely on last week. It was interesting though. He actually said he was really, really nervous about that pass from Peyton Manning. He said, There's just no upside. Like I had to catch that pass, and if I didn't, they'd never let me hear the end of it. Well, so Peyton would have kind of, uh, kind of made amends for that awful first pitch, right? And that no, was a great throw. Yes. Good for him. Absolutely, and I mean, he wouldn't have heard the end of it from Peyton. I mean, can you imagine dropping Peyton Manning's last throw at mile high? Ugh. Well, I mean, he might throw one in the future, but I bet you it's not going as far as it did. Guy's getting older, just like the rest of us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ian St. Clair, PlayColorado.com. Let's get into the Jokic thing. This is so much fun. It is. Uh, yeah, the games, we like talking about the games. I do love talking about the games. I love talking about betting. But anytime a guy takes a cheap shot at Jokic and Jokic takes a cheap shot back, and the Morris twins are getting into it. Jimmy Butler's getting into it. And then they just don't understand that they should not mess with these, these, the, the Jokic brothers, all three of them. I mean, these guys probably rip arms off of bears in the wild, right? What was your, what's your thoughts on this? Because I, I think Jokic deserved the one game suspension without pay for 210 K. I think Morris got what he deserved with the suspension in 50K. And I think Butler deserved what he got for 30K. I actually think the NBA handled this perfectly. I do too. And I think the thing that others have talked about it, this puts a focus on the Nuggets now. That's one thing that the NBA for the last couple of years, even with Jokic being the MVP last year, they haven't really been the focal point or the talk of the NBA. This does it now. So I see it as a net positive, not just for Nikola Jokic, but for the Nuggets. And as for Jokic, I absolutely love what he did. I get it was a, a retaliation. It may have been a cheap shot. But uh -huh. even Kenny Smith, when he was on the NBA on TNT, said, you hit me, we're swinging. Kenny Smith, who is, as, Chuck, as Charles Barkley said, is one of the most low-key chill dudes there is but if you come at him we're swinging so i absolutely love what nikola Jokic did and as a longtime nuggets fan i grew up going to mcnichols sports arena so i watched danny shades and blair rasmussen and bill hanslick these are the guys that doug moe relied on to set the tone for those nuggets teams with alex english and michael adams and fat lever you need guys like that and the thing is, is I wish Nikola Jokic could put his skates on and help out Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, and Kale McCarr because Joe Sackick doesn't have that type of enforcer for yeah, his avalanche that's a great line. But I, I absolutely love it. I, I, I love that he stuck up for himself because anytime anyone watches the Nuggets, if you can, if you have Comcast or Dish, you can't. But if you watch Nikola Jokic and you see his arms, they're red because of the beating that he takes over the course of, of, mm -hmm. of his, of the games that he plays. So the fact that he's stuck up for himself, I think is going to send a message to the rest of the NBA that you don't mess with Nikola Jokic. And as you mentioned with his brothers, they grew up during wartime Yugoslavia. I mean, really? I mean, this is what they live for. And I, I mean, they're going to show up in an Adidas, in an Adidas, workout suit in an adidas jumpsuit and you're going to be fearful for your life yeah i think for younger people they don't remember the um 
everything that was going on in Bosnia and Serbia. And that, that was one of the most brutal, violent wars. And what were they kids through that? So oh, yeah. they grew up with a lot of crazy stuff. They're also gigantic. One of the brothers played basketball. He's six, six. It's the other brother that scares the hell out of me. I, like I said, there was a line in one of these articles, like he looks like the villain from 007. So I'm not messing with him and I'm not messing with a dude with a, with a neck tat. Anybody that has a tattoo on the back of their neck, I'm not messing with them. Two things I don't mess with, neck tats and uh, cauliflower ears. Th those guys are just going to murder me. It's not going to happen, Ian. So yeah, the brothers, 100%. yeah, they have been through hell and they're big, big guys. I mean, they're big, big dudes. So I think Jimmy Butler's in a lot of trouble. And now apparently they bought tickets to the game down in Miami in late November. They did. Oh, no. Oh, and I, I, I saw a clip of one of the brothers who was a parent, I think it was kickboxing and I, I, it was a kick and he just completely knocked the guy out with a kick. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, come on. I mean, I get it. You, you may not know about the Jokic brothers, but they, they created a Twitter account just to respond to the Morris twins. Love it. I mean, and then they signed it Jokic brothers. It's like, I, I almost want to see the Island boys versus the Jokic brothers. I don't know if you know who the Island Boys are, but yeah, I do. You know, yeah, the Island Boys versus the Jokic brothers. It would not work out very well. No, it Ian would not. Ian St. Clair, <laughs> PlayColorado.com. Last thing on the Nuggets, though. I can't imagine Mike Malone really loves this, though. Look, it's it's a distraction. He's without his best player now. We know how bad this team is without Jokic, and now he's got the two brothers that are are making a stink. So I my personal feeling, he probably is not thrilled about this. The organization probably is not thrilled about this, to be honest with you. I actually think that if I was a coach, I would be thrilled about it. Because really, because it, it I mean, he's only going to miss one game. It's against the Indiana Pacers, so it's an out of conference game. So in terms of the seating, in terms of like the divisional race or even conference seedings for the West, it's not going to have an impact on it since the Pacers are in the East. So in that sense, I I, I don't see a, a negative with it because now it sends the message to the rest of the league, you mess with Jokic, you're going to get hit back. And I think it sends a message to the rest of the Nuggets. Hey, let's, let's step up. Let's be more physical. He showed what we need to do. Obviously, it was a, a retaliation, a cheap shot. And in that sense, I could see why Michael Malone wouldn't like it. But I think it sends a message to the rest of the league and to the team. Let's be physical. Let's up our game. And I, I go back to what I said about watching the Nuggets from the 80s. I I, I can't I, – I think Doug Moe would absolutely love this. I Just the fact that his best player is sending a message and – here we go. Let let's buckle up. If you if you play the Nuggets, you're going to get run out of Ball Arena, and now you could leave beat up too. I'll just say this: that you know now Malone has to deal with the questions. Malone has to deal with the brothers. There's going to be the distraction there. But you make a good point. You know, on one hand, maybe he likes it because Nicola finally fought back which we've been waiting for. Maybe more importantly than anything else, the referees need to start looking this saying, this guy's getting his butt kicked game in and game out. Maybe we do need to call more fouls, but I, he's going to have to answer these questions. There's going to be issues when they go down to Miami. I mean, there's going to have to be security. They're going to be looking at that. So I see your point. You, and, and I also think that you make good points. I also think from the other side, Malone is not going to be thrilled with this on that level, but 
we've sit here we're talking for almost 15 minutes we haven't talked about the broncos yet so let's get to them and if you can't see ian right now he's in his broncos what is that a hoodie you got the what did you we got the snot rocket hat on is that what you got yeah, that's what i called it because they're 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 wearing the color rush uniform so this will be the logo on the helmet when they play on sunday against the eagles so I, a lot of people and me included would like to see them go back to this logo as the every game logo here's the thing with that i and i'm not a superstitious guy they never won a super bowl with that logo they won the super bowl with the new logo does they any did. of that factor into it for you? Or are you like me where jinxes don't matter? Because I have talked to other people like this and like, you know, I think the other the other style is better, but we were always losing Super Bowls and now we've won Super Bowls with it. And it there is a time where I believe that, but it has nothing to do with how they played in the game. They ended up playing the Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, John Taylor 49ers and got blew out. It wasn't because of the logo on the helmet. I, it, it, I, that has nothing to do with it, in my opinion. Same thing with the orange. They haven't won a Super Bowl wearing orange. I, I think it's just, it, it is superstition. It, I, I think of Bull Durham, like you don't, until you make the show, you you wash your shower shoes and make sure that you don't have fungus on it because you're not a, a gross pig. But I, 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 I don't see the correlation, I, I, but that's just me. Yeah, I apologize to our, our listeners and viewers for even bringing that up. That's a chunk of time that all of us are not getting our, our lives, uh, are not getting back in our lives. So my apologies to that. So on the field, you buying into this Broncos team after that win over the Cowboys? They've got a Philadelphia team, which has completely changed their identity. First few weeks, Sirianna had no idea what he was doing. He decided not to run the football with a quarterback that's extremely inaccurate. And now the last few weeks, they've been running the football. Their offense has definitely turned around, scoring more points. But we know these games have played to the under for the Broncos. So let's start here. Where are you with this team? Are you buying in or have you just not seen enough yet to think that they can make the playoffs? I, I really want to buy in. And I really want to think that what they did can be built on and they can parlay that into a win against the Eagles heading into their bye and six and four. But whether it's the last five years and that four game losing streak, I'm a little bit hesitant. So I'm cautiously optimistic. I think the Broncos could and should beat the Eagles, but there's still a part of me that's like, well, what team is going to show up? What Pat Shermer is going to show up? And that's where the hesitancy comes from in all of this. So I'm there with you. I'm choosing to buy in just because I love hope. I love hope. That's so much you know, better. Hope is here. The last time we talked, there was no hope. Last time we were here, all of us, everybody that came on the show, especially myself, no way the Broncos are winning that game, right? No way. So I'm going to buy into this and enjoy it for the time being. There's still some major issues, right? So let me ask you this. On the field, defensively, what do you think the major issues are with this team right now? I still think it's run defense. I, I think if you get to the point where, because they really did load the box to stop Ezekiel Elliott and Pollard and try to limit what Dak Prescott did with his feet, you're going to get to the point where a quarterback is going to test the safeties pinching in 
and you're going to give up big plays over the top. And I get it. The Broncos have a great secondary. It played better against the Cowboys. And a lot of that was because of the big lead that the offense was able to get out to. But Jalen Hurts is the kind of quarterback who can test a secondary. He can complete deep passes with these receivers. That's where I, I, I start to question, okay, you mentioned Sirianni not running early in the year. They're doing that now. And they're having some success with it. And the Broncos, you don't have to go back that far to see what teams do to them on the ground when they focus on it. Just look at the Cleveland Browns with their third string running back. To me, that's the biggest issue right now is can they continue to dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball? Because on the offensive side of the ball, they're throwing out third stringers now because of the injuries on the offensive line. Graham Glasgow is now on IR. Garrett Bowles is going to miss another year, Bobby, or another week. Bobby Massey is out too. So if they can continue to dominate the line of scrimmage, that'll take away all the issues that I have because that's how you win in the National Football League. It was the case in the 1950s. It's the case in 2021. So to me, I'm, I already bet the under 45, okay? Smart move. Um, for a half a unit, for a half a unit, because I wanted to get in there. But then you got to go look at, you got to go look at the strengths versus the weaknesses. So we're saying that the Broncos have an issue stopping the run. Well, since Philadelphia has gone to the run, their offense has, I don't want to say it's exploded, but they're scoring a lot more now. And we, we, we've just seen that up and down. Uh, since Sirianni realized that he just had a horrible game plan, okay? They did not run the ball for the first few weeks of the season. First seven weeks, uh, they were averaging uh, 13.7 carries per game. And now it's 33 per carries per game. So for me, I think this comes down to a time of possession thing, right? Not that the Eagles aren't going to be able to score on the Broncos defense, but it is a nice matchup for them. So let's talk about the other side. You've got an extraordinarily efficient quarterback against an Eagles defense that is giving up a whole bunch of efficiency to opposing, to opposing quarterbacks. But for me, this is just going to be a run fest. And that's, that actually is why I've got the under here. To me, these are two teams that are absolutely going to sit on the ball. What do we got here? We've got uh, plays per game. Philadelphia, 28th out of 32 teams with 60 plays a game. They just don't run a lot of plays, and I think that's another reason why. Neither one of these offenses is really too spectacular, and, and Denver's 20th with 62.7 plays per game. So I'm looking at the pace here. The way that this goes over, I guess, is what? Turnovers deep in your own territory, and then if the Denver running game gets going again, that, to me, is going to be very interesting. Do you think that the running game has enough to sustain it now for two straight games to get the win? I don't, I don't know if it can match what they did against the Cowboys because they had 190 yards rushing. I mean, you get 190 yards rushing in the National Football League against an NFL defense, that's a hell of a week. I, I think that's more on the high end. But if they can get around 150 130 to 150, I think, is the sweet spot for the Broncos because that sets up Teddy Bridgewater to connect with Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. I'd like to see them include Javante Williams more in, in, the, in the screen pass game, using him as a receiver out of the backfield. 
So in that sense, they have the foundation. They saw what they did against the Cowboys. Now that's what they need to do against the Eagles, but you still have Pat Shermer there. What is he going to do? Is he going to try to get cute, which is what NFL coaches tend to do in this situation and overthink it? Or does he stick with this plan, maybe alter it a little bit, and continue to go down this path? Because I'm with you. The Broncos have only hit, in Broncos games, the over has only hit twice this season. So I don't really believe in trends, but that's one to keep in mind. And if the Broncos run the ball, eat up time of possession like they, they had almost, they had over 31 minutes in time of possession against the Cowboys last week. So if, if it mimics at all what they did against the Cowboys, and then, then that's the play. And I, I think when you, as I said earlier, you dominate the line of scrimmage, it sets you up to success on both sides of the ball. And the other thing to keep in mind, back to the defense, they didn't have Malik Reed, who's their best pass rusher right now, at least until Bradley Chubb gets back. If he plays, that's another element that can tie in and make the defense even better. So it, it all comes down to running the football, which allows – the passing game to set up for Teddy Bridgewater using Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. All right, buddy, plug the site. Great stuff from you today. This is, we have a lot to talk about and these are the easy days when we have a lot to talk about. We can come on here and just spew it out, but plug playcolorado.com, what you guys got going on over there. And then I'll wrap this show up. Well, obviously we're in the midst of the NFL season and that that's going to be the driver for any sports betting market. And I'm curious to see, if the Broncos win, if that excitement, the betting excitement comes back, some of that enthusiasm that waned over that four-game losing streak. But as I said before, playcolorado.com is your one-stop shop for news, analysis, opinion to make you a safer and smarter better. And that's really what I aim to do and what we aim to do. And it's it's going to be fun to see what happens on Sunday, that's for sure. All right, Mr. Uh... Ian St. Clair from PlayColorado.com. On the flip side, some final thoughts about the Broncos here on the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Combine two bets or combine many. You pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Thanks again to Ian for hopping on here. Final thoughts before we get out of here and get ready for Friday's show. Broncos and Eagles. Talk about these uh, betting lines here. So the Broncos under is hitting 709 games. The Eagles, it's more neutral with them. And I think a lot of it has to do with their opponent and this week's opponent, the Broncos. It's going to be, to me, a slugfest and a lot of running the football, which is why a heavy lean toward under 45, which is what I hit it at for a half a unit. And I will recommend 45 right now to half a unit. I want to see where this line goes. I'm not sure it moves too much farther down. It it could sit at 44 if you go to Bet Rivers, I think you can buy up to 45, even 45 and a half at juice under 125. So that's not bad. 
Uh, first quarter bets. I told you I was going to look into that again because after having a successful start, they get my butt kicked these last two weeks against Washington where they tied on that three-way bet. And then last week, the complete shocker against the Cowboys. So the Philadelphia Eagles are oof, seventh worst with 5.7 points per game in first quarters this season. Not good. A little bit better on the road at 6.2. They are five and four in first quarter bets. They've won five. They've lost four on the money line. Broncos, well, interesting here. Averaging 2.9 points per game in the first quarter, they have started out slow. I think this might be a fade for me this week. Try and regroup and see how the Broncos come out at the beginning of this game. Now, as far as just a game preview, Jalen Hurts has had two good starts in these last two games. And the reason for that is because his head coach, Nick Sirianni, decided to stop being an idiot. Uh, sorry, I like to not be, uh, you know, personal about these things. But as far as a head coach, there were idiotic moves. I don't know why in weeks one through seven, you would just not run the ball. And it's not like the negative game script was out there. This was just, hey, We've got a great matchup against the run. Let's throw the ball 40 times. It, it was just dumb. It's horrible game planning. And to me, a big question mark over Sirianni's head. Well, guess what? After averaging those 13.7 yards or 13.7 carries per game, these past two weeks, it was really interesting to watch against the Chargers too. These past two weeks, now they're averaging 33 carries per game. So about 20 carries more per game i know we, we like to take opponent into the matchup here but i just go look back uh at that chargers game and boy they stuck with the run boston scott and jordan howard are the two main beneficiaries running the football jalen hurts can run the other game was against the lions 44 to 6 so they blew the lions out if you want to look at it maybe they even run 27 times a game they, if they can double that and run the ball 27 times a game uh, or 25 to th probably 27 to 30 times, the Eagles are going to have a good shot at winning this thing. So it is kind of imperative that the Broncos get off to a better start. And Hertz was also 90% of the Eagles offense. Okay. He, he was just throwing left and right. He was running. They just weren't running the football. He's averaged 15 and a half attempts over the last two games. First seven, 34 and a half. So, Game script is going to be very important if this is a close game or the Eagles are in the lead advantage to them. And we know the issues at linebackers stopping the run that the Broncos have had to this point. Interesting note from Nick Kosmeiter, who covers the Broncos for the athletic. This is just something interesting. During the past three weeks, opponents against the Broncos have connected on just three of 17 deep attempts with a touchdown and two picks. That's the one thing that I think the Broncos really have an advantage on. You're going to face a young quarterback who is extremely inaccurate. You'll see. Jalen Hurts is extremely inaccurate, and if they have to pass the football, that is where I think the Broncos can really make some waves and turn the ball over or get the turnovers that they need. So I'm not going to bet the first quarter this week. I am on the under, and I still have made my mind up on the side. I just don't know if I'm ready to buy in yet. I'm ready to buy into the hope and I'm ready to buy into the possibility 
that this is a playoff team. Last but not least, let me leave you with the bitter Cowboys that they just can't shut up about the Broncos loss. Mike McCarthy, Dak Prescott, and Jerry Jones basically saying the same thing. And this is Jerry Jones after the loss to the Broncos. Denver didn't do anything we weren't expecting. We anticipated it. I went over it carefully with McCarthy before the game. What they came out doing, we anticipated completely. We just didn't anticipate having them have that type of success, and they stayed in it. So basically, they looked at the Broncos, too, and said, these guys aren't going to be able to hang with us. A little bit of hubris there. Came back, bit Jerry Jones in the ass. McCarthy said the same thing. Dak said the same thing. And here we are, a big win, 5-4 and four for the Broncos heading into the Eagles game. I'll be back on Friday, going to do some crosstalk with our um, our co-host in Philadelphia with the Philadelphia CityCast. So that's going to be awesome. We'll preview. We'll go back and forth on both sides for this game. Also, as always, want to thank my guests, Nate Kreckman from Altitude 92.5 and Ian St. Clair from PlayColorado.com. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Holden Radio. And thanks for listening to the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers.